Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, all right. Thank you for being here this morning. What a joy. We had a great first service. Uh, I'm excited. We are on the second part of a five-week series titled The Joy of Giving. Next Sunday, next Sunday morning, Pastor Ed's going to be preaching right here, coming out of jam. He's, he, he's, he's leaving the kids behind, at least for one Sunday, and uh, he's got a good word. He's already preached it to me. It's going to go right in line with what we're talking about And this morning, I'm going to continue on. We're going to talk about the joy of giving. We're going to talk about the giving of our gifts. And uh, boy, we need to understand the kingdom of God in the area of what God has graced us with, our gifts. I grew up, matter of fact, I asked this question first, sir. I'm going to go ahead and ask it in this verse. How many of y'all were saved in the 70s? Some of y'all weren't even alive, so forget it. You were saved in the 70s. Let me see your hand. Wow, there's like five more than first service. First service, there are like 10 of us. So how many of you have been saved less than 20 years? Let me see your hand. How many are less than 20 years old? Let me see. Okay. Uh, so, so we're a work in progress, but, but uh, I came out of the charismatic movement or the charismaniac movement or whatever you want to brand it. I came out of the Jesus hippie days in the 70s where we, the church was a little strange And I'm so thankful that God's grace was sufficient, that he kept us and protected us through those times and through those seasons to kind of continue to mature us and grow us up. And and back then, the gifts of God, seemingly, at least when I look back, the, the, the gifts that God gave us was more for us showing off how spiritual we were, which was why I could give the gift of prophecy or give the gift of this or that, because it made everybody look at me and go, wow, I wish I was that spiritual. I mean, I looked at brothers and sisters in Christ and I thought, I'll never be that spiritual. And we, we, we went through some weird stuff. I mean, like the pastor would stand up, start preaching. And all of a sudden, while, while he's preaching, somebody would stand up over on this side and they'd start speaking in tongues. And then somebody over on this side would jump up. The pastor's just waiting, and, and somebody jump up, and they give an interpretation about, thus saith the Lord, I am the Lord your God, and I love you. And, and they'd sit down, and then somebody else would jump back up and say, no, that's not what I meant. What I meant to say was that I'm going to judge you, and if you don't repent, you're going to go to hell. Thus saith the Lord, thy God, thy God. Now, you think I'm joking, but some of us survived that kind of church services. Crazy times. We used to be accused of swinging from chandeliers, even though there were no chandeliers in most buildings. But it was just a crazy time, and, and the pendulum had gone, you know, had gone from just, uh, just dead religion to, man, people were just wanting life. And the hippies were coming in. They were getting saved. They were barefooted or in flip-flops, long hair. And a lot of the mainline churches would stop them at the door and just go, no, you're not welcome here. Wow. Come on, I'm, t- I'm telling the truth. You're not, you're not welcome here. Go, go bathe and shave and put on some shoes, get a haircut. You can come to church here. How many of you are glad we don't live in that day, right? Well, some of us grew up in the days where if you were white and went to white people's church and a black person showed up, they'd stand at the front door and say, you're not welcome here. Black church is right down the street. Spanish church right down the street. How many of you are glad we don't live in those days anymore? Come on, somebody, look around. Man, we live in a, we're living in a greater day from glory to glory. And I believe that the Lord is showing some things to us today that, to me, are extremely exciting. And uh, this whole joy of giving is not about uh, us. The reality of it is, I'm going to read you in just a moment out of Romans chapter 12, but the gifts of God that God gives us, hear me, pay attention, okay? You don't have to be a rocket scientist to get it, but you got to hear. The gifts that God gives us are not for us. Somebody say amen besides three on the front row. The gifts that God gives us is not for us to look more spiritual than the rest of you. Even the gift to preach, it's not about me. If I get all messed up in my head thinking this is about me, man, you know what? You don't have to worry about taking care of me for those of you that think you need to. God's well able. Say amen to that. God's well able to take care of you. You know why? Because we're his church. We're his bride. We're his people. And, uh, and so I believe we're, it's an exciting time because we're coming into a place where we begin to realize, wow, God gave me this gift, but it's not for me. It's for me to bless others with. It's for me to give to others. It's for me to serve others. It's for me to help others. It's for me to love others. 
And in that process, this whole joy of giving, when I first started preparing this a couple months ago, I thought it was just going to be teaching on tithes and offerings, giving, seed time and harvest, all those things that we try to preach on once a year. Those are powerful, and I'm going to come back in a couple of weeks and get on that. But man, the Lord just began to stir inside of me this, this whole idea that all the gifts that he has are for today in the body of Christ, and they are yes and amen. Say amen to that. They're yes and amen, and they're for the building up, edifying, and equipping of the saints, hear me, to what? To do the work of the ministry. Thank God we're past that day where we hire preachers to come tell us all the things that we're going to be doing as the hirelings, and y'all just come back next Sunday, okay? And, and we're, we're walking in that revelation today, man, the, 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 the gifts that Jesus Christ gave when he was ascending to the right hand of the Father, and he said, I'll leave these with you, Paul recorded to the church at Ephesus, and he said, they're the gift of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. What for? For the building up, edifying, and equipping of the saints so that they can be uh, about the work of the ministry till we all grow together in unity of the faith. Man, that's a wonderful thing. And so we're coming to that place, and, and uh, so I want to read you out of Romans 12, and then today, real quickly, I'm only going to be up here a couple minutes, I'm tag teaming with somebody today, and it's going to be good, and you're going to be surprised, and so I'll share it with you in a minute. Father, bless your word, uh, every part of it, Lord, today, that every one of us in this place will be encouraged in our spirit, man, challenged, stirred up to be about the work of the ministry which you have called each and every one of us to do in our lifetime. Bless your word, I pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8 says this, Having gifts that differ, say, my gift's different than yours. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, listen to this, let us use them. So we have different gifts, and let's be faithful to use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, other words, don't listen to somebody else prophesy and then go over and copycat them. You need to prophesy or speak the word of God in proportion to your faith. I've told y'all for years around here, you know, I, I, I don't like all, the, maybe because of what I came out in the 70s, I'm not really uh, keen on parking lot prophets. Okay? Parking lot prophets are those that catch you outside in the parking lot, and they always got a word for you. And it makes them look and sound really spiritual. I'm glad we're past those days. And if you're afflicted with somebody that's always got a prophetic word for you out in the parking lot, just come share it with Pastor Ron. He'll take care of your problem. All right? <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're to prophesy or encourage or speak the word or exhort in proportion to our faith. And anytime anybody brings me a prophetic word, including my very good buddy, Pastor Francis Amfuso, retired Pastor Francis Amfuso today. Francis has given me some words over the years, and man, almost immediately those words always encourage me. And almost immediately I realize that that word that he's sharing, well, the Lord already shared that in the private place with me. And what he's bringing is affirming and confirming and stirring up in me that what I heard in the private place, now the Lord's going to share it with me through somebody that I trust to speak into my life. So whatever we're doing, we do it in proportion to our faith. Uh, he said, let us use them in proportion to our faith in service, if service is your gifting, in our serving. Meaning, if I have the gift to serve, you have the gift to serve. Man, you just, wanna, you just can't help yourself, can you? You just want to serve somebody. Hey, man, two of you got this this morning. I'm going to preach till y'all wake up this morning. If service is your gifting, you can't help but want to cook some cookies for somebody. You can't help but want to give somebody some water, even if they're not thirsty. They're sitting there like three bottles of water. It's like, hey, can I give you a bottle of water? Sure, just lay it down here. You know, you can't help yourself. You just want to help somebody. You see somebody pull up in the parking lot. You want to run outside. We got some of those people around here, and they bless my socks off. I watch them sometimes from the upper room where my office is. I see everything out here that goes around. I, I'm looking, and sometimes I get so blessed because I see somebody in a handicapped vehicle pull in, and all of a sudden there goes two or three of the men in the house. They're running out there. They're opening doors. They're getting wheelchairs out of the back of the, of the vehicle. They're pulling around. They, they just bless me. They can't help themselves. It's not like they were, they were called and said, look, now your job is to look around for all the handicapped spots that come in, and I need you to go out there and act like you're happy to help them. No, no, the people that are out there, they love serving. They love being a blessing. 
He said, if your gift is teaching, let him do it. Let him do his teaching as the one who exhorts in exhortation. Let me read that again. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching. You have a gift to teach, you can't help yourself but teach. And the person who's about to come up here in a couple of minutes has a gift to teach. And you're going to know that teaching gift, and it's different than my gift. The one who exhorts in exhortation. How many of you love somebody that exhorts? I'm going to wait till I see your hand. How many of y'all just like miserable people? Just let me, let me see your hand. Okay. If you like people that exhort or encourage or help you, let me see your hand. Okay. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. All right. If you don't, something's wrong with you. I love people that just, they just make you feel good. I mean, you're having your worst day ever, and somehow you saw them, and they made you feel better. They exhort. They encourage. They just, their smile. Maybe, maybe they just got that smile of smiles. Or they, they got that embrace. There's a, couple, there's a couple people in this house that when they go to embrace me, I have to back up and say, please don't embrace me so hard. And they're not men. They're, they're women. Come on, somebody. I wouldn't talk about Annie Bell like that in public. But, but man, Annie Bell could put a hurting on you. She loves you. She hugs you to make sure you know how much she loves you. It don't matter if you're male, female, young, old, little kid. Say, Annabelle, you're going to hurt some of these babies if you don't stop hugging them so hard. She just loves to, to hug, exhort. It's a blessing. The one, oh, I love this one. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. Don't you love to follow zealous leaders? People that got the zeal of the Lord, man, they can't help themselves. I mean, not too many people go to churches and are happy when their pastors or their leaders are just like, okay, would you turn to Matthew chapter 12? We're hoping that there's something good in there this morning. We're going to try to find a scripture to make us feel better because all, everything's bad. Y'all know it's bad, don't y'all? Y'all know that y'all heard the bad reports. <laughs> My gosh, it's like, if I can survive that, I'm going to get out in the parking lot and get saved, you know? I, I mean, you want to follow somebody that is excited about what they believe. That was the beauty of Peter, man. He just, he, you know, he was zealous even when he, he didn't have his zealousness wrapped up in the Holy Ghost. That's why I believe Jesus said, go tell all my disciples <laughs> and Peter that I'm alive. Because, man, Peter had something. All right, I got to finish because I'm, I'm supposed to be off the stage like two minutes ago. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So this morning, we're going to teach you and impart some things because we're going from glory to glory. Say amen to that. Amen. We're walking in a fresh revelation, some fresh teaching, some fresh understanding. And, and um, so the person we've asked, literally it was a unanimous decision uh, to, to come to this place of who's going to share this information with you. Uh, I can't even hold a candle to. I was just, the first time I heard this to our staff, it lasts about 45 minutes. We stood up and gave a standing ovation at the end of it. We were just like, yes, man, where, were you, where, where was this teaching 35 years ago? I would have been a better parent. Where was this teaching when I was a children, when children's worker? Wow, I could have been a better children's worker. Where was this teaching when I was a youth pastor? I could have got more kids saved if I would understood then what I understand today. But hear me, we don't beat ourselves up from what we didn't know. Come on, somebody, amen? How many parents are in the house? Go ahead, raise your hand. Don't beat yourself up that you didn't walk in a revelation that you didn't have. You're only accountable to what you had. But we're living in a greater day. And there's some curriculum, some material that's come about that we as a team got so excited about that uh, we started developing some things. And so uh, on behalf of Suzanne and I and the whole Presbytery of the Rock of Gainesville, we made some changes. And, and uh, I'm, I'm going to just uh, uh, give some uh, inter introductions to those who are leading some areas of ministry today under our care. And we're, <coughs> excuse me, very excited about it. the first one is Heather Quarles is our new director of TR Preschool, and she is already making a huge impact. She's amazing. She's got vision. She's got passion. She's excited about uh, where she's going to help us as a church go with all of our little ones. You're going to hear some amazing information this morning that go, wow, I really do wish I'd have known that when my kid was three or five or seven. 
The next one is a guy hadn't been with me very long, just 32 years. Pastor Ed Saxon is our children's pastor over, get this, we are rebranding our children's ministry. For those of you that have known Jam your whole life, you'll probably still call it Jam when you have grandkids, but we are rebranding our children's ministry uh, to TR Kids. So we have TR Preschool, we have TR Kids, and uh, then we have as the director of our TR Middle School, Yasmeen Hyatt, and then we have director of... TR High School, Sarah Pridgen, and director of TR College, uh, Nico Acevedo. And this team I am extremely excited about because we are working together from birth all the way till they graduate. I needed that school, didn't I? Uh, until they graduate from high school and are launched into college ministry, we're going to be working for the next season in our house, a curriculum that takes us and helps us as parents and grandparents to know how to impart, share, teach, and you're going to hear some tremendous stuff. So this morning, on behalf of our whole team, we unanimously decided that this person was going to come and bring this information to us. So turn up your, your accent meter and welcome. Yasmeen Hyatt to the, to the table as she comes to share with us. Right, right at the end of this video, we're going to show you a video. You have to read, okay? So put your eyes on the screen, and as you hear the music, read what you're reading. Read what you're seeing. There you go. I got it. color orange. You know, in Gainesville, we love it even more because of the gators, right? And we immediately think of go gators when we hear about the color orange. But today, I want to spend some time sharing with you um, the way that we as a church are going to use the color orange. A few weeks ago, we were celebrating the 32nd anniversary of our church. And I love anniversaries, birthdays, big celebrations like that because they mark new beginnings. And we are also marking this 32nd year, the building of our new church facility. And with that, we have great opportunity ahead of us to be more um, influential into the life of the next generation. About 15 years ago, we had about 41 marriages in our church. And out of those 41 wedding celebrations, we received an abundance of children. So we have what we call a baby boom in our church. We have all these great kids from preschool, you know, all the way now to college that are the fruit of those 41 um, marriage celebrations that we had. And with that, you know, we have a big responsibility as a church to be strategic into what we are imparting into their life. Part of the things that I want to share with you is the mission that we have as a church. 
This is what we say that we want to do to our people. We want to lead them to an authentic and life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a community of faith, we do that every month by meeting the physical and spiritual needs of those in our community. And those children that we have are a big part of our community. So we have to be very intentional in the way that we minister to them. We want to see the people in our community saved. We want to see the lost people saved. We want to see the saved people pastored. This pastor peopled, trained, and then mobilized to do the work of the ministry and to continue to make a difference. And this includes our children because they are not born saved. You know, they, they are lost. So when we get them in our ministries, we have to minister to them in a way that they can be saved, in a way that they can be pastored, then trained, and then mobilized to continue to impart generation after generation after generation. So we see our community in here displaying these four qualities. They know God, they find freedom, they discover purpose, and then they can make a difference in our community as well. So with this idea in mind of where, who we are, what we want to do, and where do we want to lead our next generation, we're going to explore this question. We're going to answer how do we build a better strategy to increase our influence with kids and families. So we are going to look at this color orange. It's a secondary color. We learned that in art, you know, in the elementary grades. And we know that when we mix the color red and the color yellow, we get orange. And this is the idea behind it, that we take who the church is, the light of the world, and the family who was established by God to nurture the hearts of the children in love, we combine them to have a greater impact in the way that we minister to them. So yellow and red is orange. When we find out that we are expecting children, our minds get filled with new possibilities, right? I remember when I found out I was uh, expecting my, each of my three kids. It's just a moment that you're full of joy, right? You start thinking about what their names are going to be, what you're going to decorate their room like. Um, you get excited if you have a friend that's pregnant too because then you can have play dates and your friends can be friends with their babies and et cetera. We can continue those relationships, right? We start imagining where we want to lead them. We can envision, well, they're going to do dance and they're going to play soccer and keep envisioning these things. We have this path in our heads already of what we want to see in them. And sometimes our plans don't go the way we imagined. I remember when, before I had kids, I, I said, my kids are never going to have a cartoon-themed bedroom. I refused. They're going to get the room the way I like it, and they're going to love it, and it's going to be beautiful, right? Well, I had three boys, and by the time my first two were three and four, we had in our house a Batman room and a Captain America room, right? We know that's very simple, you know, and, and it's a simple thing, but that's the way we continue to parent. We have an expectation, and the reality is different. We end up looking the path, that orange path looks more like this. A roller coaster, ups and downs, turn around, you know, they might go backwards a little bit. So it is not the straightforward path that we have in our mind. So if we minister to our children in that same way, we might miss specific opportunities in their lives. If we just think, well, from birth, I already see where they're going, A and B, done, we miss specific stages and phases that we can actually be more influential into their development because we know that we want them to respond morally in the world that they're at, not out of fear, right? We want them to respond out of love. So we are going to break it up more this way. In our church, we have our preschool, our elementary, 
middle school, high school, and college. And we all have the same goal in mind. We all want to see them saved, found freedom, you know, being pastor and discover their purpose so they can then go ahead and start making a difference along with all of us. So if we take each phase and we are intentional into what we are teaching them, we can have a greater impact. So you're gonna start hearing the word face a lot, just like the color orange. We're gonna use the face a lot. So let's talk about what the face means. A phase, it's a time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future, to influence the way they respond to the world around them. And each phase is different. Each phase has three main components. They have significant relationships that cover them and provide stability in their life. They have present realities of things that are changing with them. And then we have distinctive opportunities that we can leverage. And each phase, we also know that they're changing in six different ways. They have six present realities that differ from face to face. Those are physically, mentally, relationally, culturally, emotional, and morally. And when we put all those changes combined, we can illustrate that in this following image. See, we have our orange child there, and that orange child is holding this umbrella, this umbrella of relationship that covers them. So when they have encountered the crisis that they're at at that phase because of the physical and mental changes that they're going through and the cultural changes that they are experiencing, if we cover them relationally properly, we can influence the way they respond emotionally and morally to the world around them. So because of this, because this is different in every phase, we have to be then more intentional how we do it. See, I can minister to my high schooler the, way, the same way that I do to my preschooler. You know, preschoolers have very distinct um, physical changes that they're going to, right? They're changing, growing so quickly. Like you just bought them a whole new wardrobe of 2T and next month, well, you have to go get them another one because they grew really fast. And then there are also mentally being able to associate behavior and words. Their brain is growing and changing. And the culture shock that they're experiencing in preschool is dramatic. I mean, you one day you're all warm and cozy in a quiet, dark place and Next morning, you know, all of a sudden, you're out in the light. Everybody's touching you, pulling at you. If you have siblings, they're kissing on you. That's a culture shock. But it's also a culture shock that the high schooler doesn't experience. The culture shock is different. Their culture shock might look like this. Oh, you're 16. You have your driver's license. Here's the key. Now, their culture changed from that of being totally dependent on their parents to having a lot more freedom. And if we cover them relationally properly, we can expect them to be mobilized properly when they have that freedom. So that their choices are not out of fear, but they are out of love because they understand the covering that they are under. So each phase, we can take all those realities and make sure that we are tending to them in the right place. Now, when we go back and deconstruct the color orange, the first part of our formula equation is red, right? We're going to look at the family. Here we go. The family. The family was established by God, designed by God, to be the main source of discipleship for the child, for the kid. When um, God gave Moses the commandments, the Ten Commandments, after he came down from that mount, he gathered the whole nation of Israel. So imagine you're here, listen all to the Ten Commandments, and then he's going to tell them what to do with their children. He's going to say to them this, impress them on your children, that is the Ten Commandments. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, 
and when you get up. You know what Moses was doing? He was telling the family, you have distinctive opportunities with your children that you can maximize to disciple them properly. So when you sit at home talking, that's a time to reinforce discipleship to them. When you're driving along the way, that's another cue. Take that time in the car when you're driving them to school or to a play date or to a practice, soccer practice. Take that time to reinforce more these commandments that have been given to us, right? When you have your sweet little baby at bath time, that's a precious time that you can teach them about their identity, who God created them to be, so that they're not confused about that. Those are specific cues that we have as a parent. That's what Moses was doing. So one of the things we want to do as a church is we want to partner with you to help you give you some resources that you might not have or you might be looking for. You know, some of you, my parent friends that I've talked with, we have great little routines that we have established to maximize these cues, um, but some, some people don't have them. So one of the things you might have noticed, especially in the preschool and the elementary grades right now, that we've been sending home a little paper that's called Parent Q. And it's the same idea. We have meal time, drive time, bedtime. Those cues that we can use to reinforce, you can use to reinforce at home while we are teaching them here. So that's a very simple example of how we're using the color orange to help you at home. Because we don't have that much time with them here, but you do. You have about 3,000 hours a year on average. Some of you have more, some of you have less as your kids get older. So all that time that you have, maximize it so that you can have the best influence in your child. So now we're gonna talk about our role as the church, right? The church is yellow, represented by the color yellow, and we only have about 40 hours a year to influence a kid, 40 hours. That's not a lot. And our goal here is to help them grow spiritually. Well, have you seen the size of the Bible? It's pretty big, right? The Bible has 1,189 chapters in it. And if we want to teach them the Word of God, we have to figure out how do I do all of that in 40 hours? That's, that's a hard task to do. So we divide it by 52 weeks, that's 23 chapters per week. And let's say at a certain week, you end up with Psalm 119. You know, that's, that's going to be very difficult for us to be able to accomplish that. So our time is limited. So how are we going to maximize it? How are we going to choose what message we're going to deliver to the kids when we have them here so that that message stays with them and that we recycle it from face to face to face so that it's actually impressing them. They will never leave them. So in order to do that, we're going to look at what Jesus said was the most important thing in the Bible, right? When we go to Matthew 22, Jesus was teaching, and he loved to teach in story form, parables. Just give them concrete ideas that they can make the connections. So he was teaching in this parable, and there were two groups of people that did not like when Jesus was teaching. There were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And the Sadducees said, let's, let's test him. Let's question him. So they questioned Jesus about one of the items in the law. Question is the key word. Because they questioned him not to know. Their heart was not to learn or to be teachable. They were testing them to try to prove a point. Right? And Jesus, in all of his wisdom answer them and calm that issue. So then the Pharisees like, oh no, do you see what he just did? He shut them down. Oh, we can't let this happen because he cannot continue to do this. 
So they got together, and one of them that was very knowledgeable in the law said, I'll, I'll do it. So he approached Jesus and said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? To which Jesus responded, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. How beautiful is that? Love God, right? But he didn't finish there. He went on to say, and a second is like it. And when he said that, a second is like it. He put them there parallel, right? You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And on these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. See this? On loving God, loving others as you love yourself, hang all of the law and all of the prophets. So that's what Jesus says was the most important thing. So that's what we as a church are going to do. We're going to teach them to love God, to love others as they love themselves. In every, every phase, we have to look at their distinctive opportunities, their present realities, and the distinctive relationships that they have so that we can maximize our influence, right? We look at each step. They're all different. How do I do this? Because at each phase, they're thinking differently. So if I want to teach them this, I have to dial it in different ways. See, when we teach a preschooler, let's say a four-year-old, about Noah's, Noah's Ark, you've seen the picture, right? You have the pretty little ark, the water is actually blue, right? And then you see the rainbow at the end, and all the animals, you know, walking two by two in order, um, which is amazing to me, because... I can't even keep my kids in order uh, sometimes. <laughs> so these animals, you know, walking two by two in the ark, everything is just a pretty little story for them. Now we get to middle school. And our middle schoolers thinking their brain is growing almost as rapidly as it did when they were babies and toddlers. Growing so fast. That's why they're always tired. It's legit. They need to rest. Um, so they're thinking differently. Their brain is wanting to explore more. They want to see more than just a black and white. They want to see the gray areas in between. So now when I teach them about Noah, I might get a question like, well, were there dead bodies floating around the water? Do you think Noah saw those dead bodies? Yeah, probably. You know, there were probably dead bodies hanging there. And was the water just like gross? Mm -hmm. Did the animals use the bathroom, all of them, in the boat? That's a lot of animals. Was it gross in there? Probably all yes. See? They no longer see Noah's Ark as this nice little story where we can learn about obedience, but now we can see actually the consequences of disobedience. So we're going to dial the message at each phase to the needs that they have so we can maximize the influence that we have on them. So then as a church, we want to do two things for them. We want to provide them with a caring leader and a safe community so that we can maximize our influence. So when I see my friend Gina here, she has her preschool serve team member shirt. She was there ministering to them the first service, probably had to change some diapers. She wasn't just changing diapers. No, she was dealing with all of these emotions of these kids. And her relationship that she was using to cover them with was answering these, four, these three questions for them. Am I safe? Am I able? Am I okay? Instead of thinking like, well, I'm going there to change a diaper or hold a baby so somebody can sit at church. No, you are ministering, ministering to that child. You are embracing their physical needs, so that they learn about trust, confidence, and self-control, and that they can meet a God who loves them 
and they can see how they fit in the family of God, that God does take care of our physical needs. We move on to elementary and we have our, our scientists, right? All the questions. What is this? Why is this? Who, you know, all the things. They want to explore all, all how everything works. And I have one of my friends, Melissa, she has a, a boy that really, really questions there all the time, right? All the questions, and they, they look like this. Do I have your attention? Kindergarten and first graders, right? They're, oh, mommy, 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 Jasmine. See, they want our attention. <laughs> they want to know that we are listening to them, that, we, that they are important, right? That they have what it takes, and that they have friends. Because when we look at these kids and we sit down with them and do a craft or invite them to do a dance at church, when we engage their interest, we're telling them that we value their personal abilities. And they have a value in our church community. And then they can have friends that participate in ministry with them. So then we move on to our middle schoolers. Middle schoolers, I love. They're, they're so different from minute to minute, right? One, one time they can say, hey mom, I just wanna let you know that I need more salad because now I'm a vegetarian. An hour later we go out to eat, right? And can I have the steak, medium rare? Okay, all right, makes sense, right? They are changing quickly. They're trying to find out now their place in life. It's the first time in their life that they no longer see themselves just as an extension of their family. They're seeing themselves as an individual. So they need to explore questions like, who do I like? Who likes me? Who am I? Not just who, who do I belong to. They know that already. They know who they belong to. They want to see who they are on their own. So when we affirm their identity, we help them gain stability and see their uniqueness in creation. And then lastly, we go now to our high schoolers, our philosophers. Have you ever told a high schooler something and they're like, I know. <laughs> oh, well, then this, I know. They know it, you know, and, and I'm not knocking on them. It is true. They know a lot of things. You know, they have answers to a lot of questions. They have been studying, you know, math and science and English for a long time, and they probably know things better than I do. So they know things, right? But that doesn't matter to them anymore because they see themselves as people that have a purpose. Their motivation is purpose. So where do I fit, right? Where do I belong? Why should I believe? How can I matter? What will I do? So now when we mobilize their potential in high school by teaching them how to serve, you know, we teach them that they can value community, we help them clarify their values of what they believe, refine their skills so that they can define their vocation and then go do the work of the ministry. Join us in making a difference in the world. So our goal with all of this is to see these five things. We want to see serve team members that are more consistent because what they do on a daily basis matters. We want to see parents that are more intentional in the way that they disciple. We want to see leaders that are more strategic, messages that are more engaging, that will lead to a faith that is more authentic. So at the end of the day, we have a community that knows God, have found freedom, that discover their purpose, and that can make a difference, and that it will stick with them forever. Because no matter where life takes them, away from college, a new job, they might get married, move to a different place, they will always remember the way we made them feel in the house of God. That they will experience the presence of God here because nothing else in the world will ever satisfy them in that sense. Thank you.
Ratatouille? They must be joking. Amen. Put your hands together and thank Yasmin for an amazing job. For those of you that have seen that movie, I never have, so I had to have it explained to me. And uh, after having explained a couple of times, then I was like sitting there watching that three or four different times and going, wow, it, it really is about teach and train a child up in the way that they should go minister to them when they're children. Touch them in a deep way. Speak truth to them. One day when life is hard and difficult and tough, they will remember. And then in their remembering, they're going to remember home. One of our great desires in our house is for all the kids that somehow from so many amazing families in this house lost their way, got out in the world and lived hellacious lives and bear the, the fruit of difficult times, broken hearts, broken marriages, broken lives. Our prayer is that one day, even as the word promises, that word will never return void. There'll come a time in their life when they will remember just like he did. And when they do, <laughs> that other character I was told was the previous owner. He's like the devil. <laughs> and he's not happy when they remember. There's no place like home. Home being where God's placed you. Place where you've been loved, spoken true to. So much of your life and your character developed in the family that God has joined you to. That's what we want to be, the Rock of Gainesville. We're not looking at our past and go, wow, we made a lot of mistakes. I honestly, I looked at some of that video the first time and listened to some of Yasmin's teaching as well as the other guys, Sarah and Heather and Pastor Ed, as they were just sharing some of the fresh revelation from some of this material they've gotten. And I, I, I actually got a little mad. I was like, wow, that is some rich stuff. But you know, we're living in that promise that we're going from glory to glory. And the, the latter days are gonna be greater than the former days. And things we learned are gonna be life to us or our children or our grandchildren. But even if we were just faithful with what we had, see, I believe the Lord will use it one day to bring some of our wayward children back home. Some of our lost little ones back to the place where they can find God again find their purpose for life, find their reason, find what it is, discover once again all over the freshness of who they were created to be. Why? Because God put in every one of us the ability to make a difference in our lifetime. And some people are making a difference in the wrong kind of way. And we wanna pray them back into the revelation, the light coming on the taste and see that the Lord is good, the remembering of those good things that God did at some point in time in our lives. We're excited about this teaching. We're excited about the curriculum. We're excited about the material the Lord's given us because we believe that every one of us in this place have a gift, a calling, a responsibility that everybody, nobody was saved just so we can save you a seed every week. 
And that's all you do in the body of Christ. No, we believe every person from the youngest to the oldest has a place in the body of Christ. And we're never gonna make a difference till we discover our purpose. We're never gonna discover our purpose till we first find freedom in Christ Jesus. And we're never gonna be able to find that freedom until we have a personal relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ his son. I wanna ask you to bow your head for just a moment and close your eyes, believers are praying, but I know here we are teaching material that we're gonna start using in our church family, but, but in the midst of all of that today in this place, some that are watching online this morning, maybe you're feeling that pull from Holy Spirit today because right here, right now, God is speaking to you and saying to you that he loves you and that you're his. And he created you for such a time as this. And he has such a value in your life. And he has such a great purpose for your life. And, and he has things he wants you, you to be able to do and accomplish that will make a difference, not only in your life, but, but in others to come. But it'll never happen until you first have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're new today to our house. Maybe you're visiting. Maybe you've been coming here for a really long time. But today, right here, right now, you know you know that the Lord is tugging at your heart to say afresh and anew, surrender your life to me. Let me help you get on that path of finding freedom, discovering your purpose, making a difference with your life. Believers are praying for you right now, and it would be a joy for me today to have the opportunity to lead you in a simple prayer to say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Paul said in, the, in Romans chapter 10, he said, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. If today you need to confess, with believers praying for you right now and God cheering you on, you're ready to make that decision today. Would you just lift up your hand and hold it and let me lead you this morning in a simple prayer. Yes, God bless you. Yes, sir, God bless you. Others in here this morning, this is your moment. Yes, thank you. You can put it down once I see it. Thank you so much, sir. God bless you. There are others in this place. This is your moment. Don't let it bypass you. Don't, don't let it come and go. Don't, don't, don't think it's just an emotional thing. It's a decision that says once and for all, I'm surrendering my life to the one who matters. I'm making Jesus Lord in my life. If that's you, before I lead these in a prayer this morning, yes, God bless you, my dear. That's you this morning. Just simply raise up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm ready today. Today's my day. One last opportunity before I lead in prayer this morning. Today, God wants to touch your life. All right, I want to invite all of you to pray with these three precious ones that have lifted up their hands today. Pray this prayer out loud. Pray it from your heart. Say, Father God, I believe in my heart. And this morning, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Christ and he's the only one that can save me. Jesus, I invite you, come into my heart, have control of my life, be my savior, be my Lord. Forgive me of my sins, put me on that path of righteousness. I'm choosing you today for the rest of the days of my life. I wanna make a difference. So I say thank you for saving me. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand for these three this morning. Hallelujah. We bless you, mighty God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.